0: It's time to turn your ideas into innovation, and that's only the beginning. So let's get started. All right, we are ready to go. Thank you for joining me again for this week's episode of the Your Next Best po- Next Best Step podcast. I can remember the name of my own show, um, and our master series um, here over on LinkedIn. So Today joining me, I have the lovely guest um, that I actually met not that long ago, and she is just amazing. Um, I've gotten to know her a little bit, and I am super, super excited to have her on the show today. Her name is Lisa Simone Richards, um, and she is the creator of the Online Visibility Accelerator, and her business is also just Lisa Simone Richards Consulting or Coaching. And um, she is a PR and visibility strategist. So I'm so
1: excited to have you here today, Lisa. How are you doing? Thanks for inviting me to join, Teresa. I'm excited to share with your listeners and your audience some ways to get more eyes on their businesses. I like your shirt, by the way. Oh my gosh. It says, come on, Barbie, let's go party. Isn't it great? I love it.
0: I I love it. If you are watching this, if you're watching the video version of this. I love your shirt. Lisa came <laughs> super
1: professional today in her Barbie shirt. Hey, it's all good. Hey, you have to be yourself, right? You got to be you. In the morning, and I'm just what... like, what do I feel like today? And I haven't reached for this one in months. And I'm like, it's a Barbie day. We're doing it. Yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. So tell us, tell us a little bit about your background. Like I want to, um, you know, I want our listeners to learn all about you today. So tell us a little bit about your background, how you got started, and, uh, yeah, we were
1: briefly, I knew, I guess I kind of, it's not a surprise that I ended up where I did. Um, I remember one of my first baby pictures me is me as like a two-year-old sitting in a pile of snow holding a phone. So we knew communications was going to be the way Lisa went. Um, fast forward to when I was maybe 11 or 12 years old, and I had a subscription to Teen People magazine. And um, I saw the letters to the editor section. And I thought it was so cool that you could just write a letter in, and then a few months later, it would be in print. So I knew where my mom kept the stationery and the stamps, and I wrote a letter, sent it in, and lo and behold, a few months later, um, when the issue came in the mail, Jonathan Taylor Thomas was on the cover, and I opened it up and saw my letter to the editor inside, and I saw my name in print, and I was like, that's cool, I'm into that. Um, So fast forward again to when I was 18 years old, and I was in my first year at Western University. And I was having lunch with a girl named Lindsay who was in fourth year and she was about to graduate and she was sharing with me that she was coming back to Toronto to go to PR school. Now this is in 2002. Sex in the City was huge. Samantha Mm -hmm. Jones was making PR look so exciting. There was fashion and beauty and parties and I was like PR, I'm into that. So I ended up spending my entire time at Western volunteering in communications for various organizations, came to PR school in Toronto after I graduated and I've worked in PR ever since. So I've worked in fashion and beauty and did the magazine jobs, the, back behind the scenes at um, fashion shows. I moved into an agency setting where some of the clients that I worked with included Staples, Virgin, Crayola. And then I fell in love with the fitness industry for a handful of years. And now what I love to do is be able to work with um, business owners and entrepreneurs who are fantastic at what they do, but they just want to reach more people with it. So I love being able to share with them the skills that they need to use over and over again for the life cycle of their business, really figuring out where's my ideal client hanging out whether it's you know reading a newspaper watching a tv show listening to a podcast how do you figure out the person that you need to know who has access to that platform and how do you approach them with the kind of message that's so valuable that they say a yes and you get access so that's how i love to support people in the world so let me back up for a
0: second um i love sex in the city by the way but let me back up for a second um What you were talking about that you worked at um, behind the show, behind the scenes at like fashion shows and stuff and um, worked on in magazines. So which ones did you work for? Oh, okay.
1: So this is a bit of a fun story. So I went to school in London, Ontario, which is about an hour and a half outside of Toronto, which is like really the the hub of Ontario, if you will. Um, So whenever Fashion Week happened, it was here in Toronto, but I'm supposed to be at school in London. And I was volunteering, getting to know the industry. So I would literally skip a week of school twice a year for the fashion (laughs) shows in the spring and the fall. And I stayed at my parents house, so they knew I was doing it. And I would volunteer at Fashion Week. And by the time I was actually in fourth year the person whose team I've been volunteering on for season after season I was running the volunteers like I knew how to do a fashion show before I even graduated um so I would work at Toronto Fashion Week I've been behind the scenes at Toronto International Film Festival working in celebrity gift suites which I hate uh definitely learned I don't like working with celebrities (laughs) who are entitled and want more free stuff um but hey you learn Um, And then I actually interned at Fashion Magazine. So that's literally the name of it here in Canada. It's a national magazine with fashion and beauty. And I remember I got to write an article all about fragrances, and I have the byline and everything published in there. And one of the things that was interesting about working at fashion is that or interning at fashion, I wasn't an employee there, is that I actually wasn't doing PR. I was working with an editor. So I was working in the beauty department with the beauty editor. And the reason that I did that is because I knew all of my peers were graduating from PR school and getting PR internships, which like your girl already did that before she even went to PR school, I was getting paid. Um, I'm very driven when I want something. Um, But what I really wanted to see is what does the other side of PR look like? Like for the person who is an editor receiving all of these pitches and countless products to make it into the magazine, How is she making her decisions? What makes the cut? So I wanted to sit on the other side so that when I went back to the world of PR, I'd have a new perspective that none of my peers did. I could be like, don't waste all your money on packaging. It's literally an intern in the back who rips the product open, shelves a press release, puts it in a bucket. Don't do that. So I have a ton of knowledge that my peers don't because I've been behind the scenes.
0: (laughs) So you brought up the the gift suites. I, I used to own a brick and mortar store and I remember at, um, I think it was it was at Fashion Week in New York, I'm pretty sure. And then we also were approached for the Academy Awards, I think. And they had those those um, suites in the tents where they would be giving out the swag bags. And I remember we had somebody from an agency contact us, and they were like, "Oh, you know, we think you would be a great fit." And you know, these are the types of people that go through, you know, and they were naming like all these famous people. And I remember my business partner and I were like, oh my gosh, we finally like made it like somebody, you know, saw us. And then they said, oh, and by the way, you need, you need to have a thousand pieces. And because that's how many people go through. And and we were like, cause we were working with these small, you know, artisan um, people who handmade their own their own stuff there was not one single one that was like, yeah, sure. We can do a thousand pieces. But it was funny when you brought that up, I was like, Oh wow. So you used to like work in those, You worked in one of those. Um, Yeah.
1: And in addition to having a thousand pieces of collateral, there's also an insertion fee. So, you know, you're paying tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to get into those gift bags. And honestly, they can work. I'm not going to say that that's the majority of the time. (laughs) Um, I very, very vividly remember working with a Canadian company called Cake Beauty the founder was the first person to give me a chance in PR and she got, you know, Rihanna was just on her way up. And we have pictures of Rihanna holding the deserted Island body souffle. And like just having that marketing image was huge for getting the brand out there. Um, so it can work, but I mean, 95% of the time, like you think Angelina Jolie doesn't have money for a bar of soap. Like she's giving it to her assistant. So if you have a ton of money to throw around and invest in those kind of gifting opportunities, go for it. But for the most part, those bags just largely, unless you're giving away like a really nice diamond necklace, those bags get gifted to their assistants and their teams.
0: Yeah, no, that, that is very true. And I remember she also told us it was going to be $10,000 and my business partner and I were like, yeah, I don't think we can do that. We're a very small local business, you know? So, um, yeah, that's funny. It's just, when you were talking about that, I was like, oh my God, that like jogged my memory bank. Um, So let's talk a little bit about publicity and getting seen and, you know, the mistakes that people make. So I work with local businesses. I work with um, brick and mortar retail stores and restaurants. And I know, you know, most of the people that I work with, they're like, well, you know, Teresa, my marketing and, you know, getting myself out there is we have a Facebook page and we post on it one time per week or maybe one time per day. And you know that's what we do, and we're not quite seeing the the um, revenue from it, or we're not you know getting the customer traffic from it. So when I asked them, well, what about doing some PR? Like, what about getting you know out into with your with your local you know TV station or what? And they're like, oh no, that's too hard. We can't do that. So I know that that is false, and I want to have you speak to that because. Um, I know this is your expertise. This is your zone of genius. So why is it that people have such a fear about it? And then also, what are some things that they can do?
1: Sure. So one of the things I really want to hammer in is the distinction between content and visibility, because a lot of business owners are mixing up these two things, thinking they're one and the same content, putting content on your Instagram account, posting on your Facebook page, emailing your list. That is nurturing your existing audience. That is getting in front of the people who already follow you. And we also know that not 100% of people are seeing things. If you're posting to your 2,000 followers on Instagram, maybe 200 people are seeing it. If you're posting to your Facebook page or group that has 2,000 likes and follows, maybe 200 people are seeing it. It's not everyone. So content posting on your own platforms nurtures the people who are already in your world. It is not, if you build it, they will come. Just because you launched a Facebook page <laughs> doesn't mean people are going to sign up for it and see everything you post. There's no, a massive distinction between content and visibility. What visibility is, is making sure you're getting in front of new leads regularly. How are you growing your email list? How are you getting more people to follow you? How are you getting more people to find out about you? So if we're not doing that visibility part, a lot of us are going to be stalling and being like, why are our sales not growing? Why I'm selling to the same 2000 people over and over again and I'm making more content for them doesn't mean they're more likely to buy. So we need to make sure that not only are we creating that no like, and trust factor for the people who are already in our world, but we constantly need to be bringing more people into that world. So that's the power of visibility and making sure you're constantly seeing by new people. And the really, really good news that I want to share with everybody is it's really not that hard. There is this massive myth that getting PR and exposure and being on a television show or a news station or a radio station You have to have a fancy connected publicist that you're paying five, 10 grand a month to. Absolutely not. It literally is as simple as having a really good message, figuring out where you want to be seen, identifying who is the gatekeeper, who is the producer of the TV show, who is the host of that podcast, who's the producer of that radio segment, sending them an email with some value like, hey, here's what I could bring to your show, and then getting a yes. It's really a lot simpler than people think. Hmm.
0: So why, so, and it is, it is definitely, cause I hear it all the time. People are like, no, it takes so much time and you you have to, you know, you have to pay to get in those things and you have to be famous to get, to do that stuff. And it really, it's not, as you just said, it's not true. You know, it's easier than most people think. So if somebody were to get started, what are five tips that you would have? Five things that they can do to start you know to to get started on doing this and how can they also is there a way that they can blend that together with their content plan
1: okay so i'm going to task you with keeping me on track and making sure i have five because i'm going to go through some steps in my head and you're going to make sure that i have five tips that i'm sharing so the first thing that i would recommend is number one check in with your current ideal clients How are they getting information about whatever you do? If you own a restaurant, how did they find out about you? Did they see an ad? Did someone else recommend it? Where are people going to learn about the content that you're putting out there? Um, I would ask your ideal clients how they heard about you in the first place. Because then it means, or even another way to phrase that is when you're looking for a new restaurant to go to, where do you turn? You know, here in Toronto, we have a magazine or a website called BlogTO, and they always have the new listings. So that tells me, hey, if people are finding about me on Blog BlogTO or they're going to BlogTO to ne- learn about new restaurants, how do I get in there? So ask your ideal clients, where are you getting information on the thing that you do, the service that you provide, the product that you offer? If you want to get more people like them, go to the place that they're already hanging out. So we're right, already, oh, I, just, I can say one more thing. We're good, taking the good. work off of your head of having to figure out where that place is. Let's ask them and get them to tell us. How do
0: they find their ideal clients? I know a lot of people, and it's a big mistake that a lot of brick-and-mortar businesses make, is that I am serving everybody. like I am attracting everybody. So when you say ideal client, they're like, well, it's everyone. So how do they really figure out who that ideal client is?
1: I'm always a solutions-oriented person, so I'm going to look for the answer in everything. Ask the five people who walk into your business today then. Like, I mean, you, chances are, depending on the size of your business, depending on the intimacy you have with your clients, you know who your best customers are, unless you're running some, you know, giant retail behemoth. Um, but, you know, you <laughs> probably have that. Like when I was a kid, my family had the restaurant we went to every single Sunday. The manager knew us. Um, so I'm sure you can think of the, who are those people who come in over and over and over again. And if worse comes to worse, just ask the people who came in today. Cool. Awesome. All
0: right, so that was number one. So check in with your ideal client, find out how they found you, find out um, you know where you know websites where they're going paying to. attention. Yep. All right. That's
1: that's how I'd summarize it. So let's figure out where our ideal client is paying attention because we know that could be a good place for us to get featured. Um, the next thing that I would do is once I know where that place is, whether it's blog, to or a YouTube channel or a radio station, I would think into who is the gatekeeper. Who is the person who has access to tell me, yes, we will feature you in a newspaper article. Yes, we will invite you to be on a podcast. Yes, we would love to have you on our morning show. And I'll even drip out some titles to help people who are listening. So if you're thinking, you know what, getting on the local morning show would be be helpful for me, Google breakfast television producer. And here in Toronto, our big morning show is breakfast television. So search the name of the show plus producer. That's going to give you the name of the person. You'll probably find their LinkedIn profile. And then once you're sure that's the right person, go back to Google and type their name plus email address. Teresa Cantley email address, Lisa Simone Richards email address. Guess what? You'll be able to creep us and connect with us most likely just doing a simple search like that. So figure out where you want to be seen, figure out who the person you need to know is, figure out what their email address is. So we're at three steps right now. Okay. All right. Number four, um, come up with a pitch that has value. Mm. No one's going to give you a free advertisement. Going to you know your local morning show and saying, hey, we have an all you can eat rib special every Wednesday. Do you want to do a segment on us? It's not going to get you on TV. But maybe you could pitch them, hey, we know summer's around the corner and people are going to be grilling ribs all summer. We'd love to share our top recipes for rib quality restaurants. Would that be interesting to your audience? all of a sudden, now the messaging is adding value to every single person who watches that versus it making about me, 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 me. So add value.
0: Add value. Mm -hmm. That's a big one because I know you and I have had this conversation. I get pitched a lot and it's always me, 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 me. And very rarely, every once in a while, you get the person that says, hey, this is what I can do for you. This is the value that I can add for your audience. So no matter if you're a retail store or a restaurant or an online coach or whatever, you always want to make sure that you are providing value first to the other
1: person. Correct? Absolutely. And All nobody right. nobody wants to tune in, or everybody, sorry, everybody is tuned into What's In It For Me, WIIFM. So if you make it about them, they will tune in. If you make it all about you and you you know, you know read through that left margin of your pitch email that you're sending off asking to be featured, and it all begins with I, me, my, you got to switch that around because people are going to tune out. All right. Awesome. All right. So that was number four, right? A pitch that has value. And then number five, I would say follow up. Hit Write the pitch, hit send on it, and you may not hear back. The truth is I've been doing this for 20 years and I get a lot of rejection. I pitched 50 podcasts in January and I got 12 yeses, which a lot of people would hear is 38 no's or 38 delete. But really, number one, let's focus on where we're getting the yeses. If you got one yes on your morning TV show and five newspapers said no to you, I'd say that that was worth getting your feelings a little bruised over. Um, But what I would recommend as a fifth step is to actually follow up. So every week I have a habit of pitching 10 podcasts, but in addition to pitching 10 new podcasts, I follow up with the the 10 I reached out to the week before. And I would say half the interviews I get come from following up. Oh, I was Mm -hmm. in the middle of a launch and I missed your email. Oh, my goodness, this ended up in my spam folder. I'm so sorry. I meant to reach back out to you, but, you know, it got lost in the shuffle. So, following up is literally half the battle, and just showing up again, saying, "Hey, just wanted to check in. Did you get this information?" Here's another reason I think this would be relevant: is it valuable to your audience? Let me know.
0: Gotcha. So, if you were if you were a local retail store and you wanted to, like, send a pitch to somebody, send a pitch to like a local TV station, um, what might that pitch, just as an example, what might that pitch look like? What kind of story am I? you are a, let's say you're a store that sells Celtic made, pro, Celtic products. So products that are made in, um, England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales.
1: Okay. Do we have any big Irish, Scottish, Welsh, or English holidays coming up? I would check to see if there's a big holiday coming up and is there a way that we can insert ourselves into the story? So, you know, a Here's a real life example we can use. Um, Back in the day, I worked with a PR agency and one of our clients was Diageo. And Diageo is the owner of Guinness. Guess what? We were busy doing all January and February, getting ready for St. Patrick's Day coming up in March. And we were pitching stories all around Guinness to be able to get coverage about the drink. We knew St. Patrick's Day was coming. Of course, media is going to be covering it either way. So how can we find a way to insert ourselves and be a part of that conversation? So really simply just take a look and see, you know, I I think one of the things I love with um, media is it's so boringly predictable. Every January, they're (laughs) going to talk about New Year's resolutions. Every September, they're going to talk about back to school. It hasn't changed at all. It's actually highly predictable. So you can take a look at a calendar and you can look up National Cookie Day and know that that's when you're going to be pitching for when something's coming up, whether it's Irish, Scottish, Welsh, or English, I'm doing my best to remember that, Um, and pitch something in conjunction with that. So you can actually just see what's coming up on the calendar. Wikipedia has a really good list of commemorative days, weeks, and months, and make yourself a part of that story and pitch around it.
0: Awesome. Awesome. All right. So I'm just going to review. So number one is check in with your ideal client. How did they find you? Um, Where where are they paying attention? Like where is that, whether it's a website or a, a magazine or the local paper or whatever. Okay. Number two is, who is once you find what that place is, whether it's a website or it's a magazine or whatever? Who is the gatekeeper? Do some searches to find out. Is it if it's a TV show, you know, it's a producer. If it's a magazine, it's probably an editor, right? Um, so doing that research of who is the gatekeeper that's going to do the booking that's going to bring you on, okay? And then number three is figure out their email address. Do some Google searches. Google is a beautiful thing. It gives us all kinds of information. Number four is make sure that you're writing a pitch that has value, not about you, but about the value that you're going to give to their audience, okay? Number five is to make sure that you follow up. And I think the follow-up piece, I know for myself, this has been the struggle, um, is that follow-up. But I think the follow-up, that's the most important, the most critical, because you're absolutely right. Stuff gets lost. I mean, people have, you know, they're getting slews of emails or, you know, slews of messages. So definitely making sure that you are following up in a nice way. Um, Yeah. Awesome. Anything else that I missed? No, I
1: think you nailed it there. Like as long as we're getting to the right sources, asking the right person, coming up with something of value, making sure that everyone leaves richer than they came and then checking in one more time in case you don't hear back. That's a healthy cycle right there.
0: All right. So that are the things that people can do to start to get started. What are some pitfalls or mistakes that, some, that people make that you see um, or pitfalls that people fall in when they start this process that maybe you give them some tips of what not to do or what to avoid? I would say,
1: so we've already talked about that number one mistake of making it about yourself. And we talked about how it's important to lead with value and think about what's in it for the audience and not to just try and get yourself a free commercial. Uh, The next mistake that I see people make is having the the wrong call to action. Mm. Uh, I would say typically the top mistake that I see anytime someone's on a podcast or does an Instagram live with someone, does a guest training in their mastermind, goes on a television interview. The host is typically going to say, Lisa, Teresa, where can our audience find you? And they say their website. Don't say your website. People land on websites and bounce off of them all the time. So uh, depending on what the platform is, I may have a different call to action. This is typically just for the clients, but I will share it with your listeners. Um, when I have clients who are on television, I tell them to do an Instagram story and front load it before their TV appearance, because it's really easy for the host to say, Teresa, where can our audience, where can our viewers find you? You know what they have? Their phone is in their hand already. So just say your Instagram account, they can look you up. They'll see that there's a story on your profile and it already says, hey, did you find me from Breakfast Television this morning? Shoot me a DM and tell me XYZ and they can go into conversations from there. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're on a podcast, um, always drop a link to a lead magnet. Don't drop a link to your website. You want to be able to get that email address. And then once you're on your list, you can say, follow me on Facebook, follow me on Instagram, whatever it is. Um, So make sure you have the right call to action. And number two, give one call to action. Don't give people 10 places to find you. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and LinkedIn. I love you. No one liked your interview enough that they're going to do 10 things. Give them (laughs) one clear, simple, easy thing to do. And that is where you're going to have the highest likelihood of converting them into your world. Once they're in there, we can give a whole other set of things to do. But if you say, hey, do these five things, someone will do zero of them.
0: Mm, I've heard that. I've heard that ever since I started in this business. Long ago, um, I I did a program with Shalene Johnson and I remember her saying, you don't want to send people on a goose chase. You don't want them to, oh, find me here. And then, oh, you can find me here. And then, oh, you can find me here and give them like all these different things, all these different platforms that they can find you on. Or even when you're on one platform, you send them to one platform and then you're sending them to another and then you're sending them to it. So that is, and I, I, I do see that mistake made. lot. But um, this is really interesting. I've never heard somebody break it down like that before. That's really, um, really super valuable because a lot of people do send people directly to the website. And you're right. I mean, the bounce rates for, I mean, I geek out on Google Analytics, but the bounce rates on websites, um, particularly like somebody sends you to the contact us page or somebody sends you, you know, even to the homepage, like, you know, they can be higher. So when you send them something that is specific like the instagram story or like a lead magnet um you know that is going to i think get more conversions and get people to come back or to you know do that next step um that
1: is going to get them
0: you know in front of someone so
1: yeah
0: you want to yeah. make it simple
1: for them to come into your world and then once they're there we can do a bunch of other things. But if we're trying to do 10 things at once, we know a confused mind doesn't buy. So even if you're like, I'm giving people choices, you don't want to be the cheesecake factory. Ever open up one of those menus? You're like, I don't know what to eat. There are 600 things on here. So we're actually doing people a favor when we edit down and keep it super simple.
0: Hmm. So let me ask you a question. Um, I know you work with, you work a lot with online coaches, um, but you've also done a lot with, brick and mortar and and smaller businesses, what is the big difference? And maybe there isn't a big difference, but what is the big difference that you see between, um, you know, publicity and PR between the two? And like I said, maybe there is no difference. I
1: um, There is. I, I, I would say that this really does come down to what the business's goals are. So I'll give you the example of clients that I worked with in 2015, um, Doctors Marco and Paolo de Chiantis of Sports Specialist Rehab Center, identical twin brothers who became chiropractors and started a practice. Who would have thought? Um, so as I was working with them, they got opportunities on national television frequently. So here in Canada, one of our big daytime TV shows is called The Social. They did three segments with them. They were getting paid to leave their office and come on TV and talk about their craft for seven minutes. It was amazing exposure for them. And they're here in Toronto, Ontario, in the center of the country. Like if someone in Vancouver, British Columbia, all the way on the West Coast sees it and likes them, they're still not going into their business. Um, so when the twins would actually do segments on like the kind of crappier local TV station that was run by volunteers, or they would do local radio, which isn't as sexy as a big national show, they would actually get more foot traffic in their business because while it's not as sexy a source, these are the people who live nearby or around the corner and who can actually walk into the office and hand over a credit card. So, you know, from the point of, we want to make more sales, it was more lucrative to do the less sexy media outlets. But if they wanted to build their credibility and their thought leadership and their expert status, they would do national opportunities and they would know this isn't necessarily going to drive more business for us, but it's really going to help us elevate our brand and establish our presence. So in the Toronto market, it'll elevate the way that we're seen. And what's really nice is while they were doing that national TV show that didn't necessarily bring in dollars into the into the business, per se, through foot traffic it built their brand presence and they actually started winning the number one chiropractor in Toronto award. And I'm pretty sure they've won it consistently since 2015. So it, again, it depends on what the intention and the goal is. Hmm.
0: So if somebody was, so a brick and mortar business that's looking for more foot traffic. Okay. Cause right now brick and mortar businesses are, are, you know, they're trying to get back on their feet, particularly restaurants and retail stores. You know, there's been, There's been a lot of predictions and prior to COVID, but even when COVID happened that brick and mortar was going to go away, and that's just simply not the case. Um, But if somebody was looking to get more foot traffic in, what would be your recommendation? I mean, you mentioned local local TV shows and, and things like that, but is there anything else that you think
1: would be the right direction to go? I would be focusing on local media coverage. So that could be television, that could be newspapers, that could be local city journals like Blog2, which I mentioned earlier. And another really good source that I alluded to earlier, or a really good resource sorry that not a lot of people know about, is applying for awards. If you have a bricks and mortar business, chances are one of your local community paper has best fitness studio, best Greek restaurant, best Italian restaurant, best hairstylist, et cetera. And there is a lack of people applying for those awards. A lot of people don't even know that they exist. So when I worked for a company that had 100 locations across Canada, I would literally Google search all the newspapers, put together a database. What are the deadlines for entry? What category could we enter under? luckily, you're probably not running 100 different locations. So it'll be a lot easier for you to make your own list of that. But see where you can apply to win an award, because that's an underutilized resource. And just like the chiropractors, what happens when you win number one, Well, I mean, I think we all want to be associated with the best, typically, as long as it fits within our budget. And maybe some of us are willing to stretch our budget to be associated with the number one provider in some service area or another. Um, Funny, I'm actually moving in six weeks and I'm like, oh, my eyebrow lady. Now I'm going to have to drive an hour to get there. And I will because I want good service. So um, if you can rank yourself or have yourself positioned and viewed and perceived as a top contender, people are going to be attracted to that. It's a sticker you can put up in your window when someone's walking by. This business has been awarded X, Y, Z. So it makes you more attractive. And again, we want to be attractive. We want to be magnetic to people coming to us rather than feeling like we're constantly chasing them to come and support our business.
0: Mm, So good. So good. This conversation has been... um I mean, I've been writing notes down as you're speaking, um, and I learned a bunch of stuff today. So, But this conversation has been so, so phenomenal. Um, And one thing I want to do is, before I go into my um, rapid-fire fun questions, although this whole thing was fun, right? So um, tell us a little bit about the Online Visibility Accelerator. Tell us a little bit about what it is and how it can help the people who are listening to the show.
1: Sure. So the Online Visibility Accelerator is 20 years of knowledge condensed into six months of coaching. So what I love to do is this is really a distinction about me as a publicist. Most PR people and agencies, they will do it for you, but they're not going to teach you how to do it yourself. And what I love to do is teach someone how to fish, if you will. So I love at the end of six months, my clients don't need me anymore. They know how to do all of this on their own. And I'm seeing them book their dream stages that have been on their vision boards. They're booking three segments a month on television. One of my clients who signed up with me in 2019, who'd never been on TV before, we worked together for six months. And now in 2022, she's done well over 60 segments on her local Fox station. Six zero, not 16. Wow. So typically, in 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 the six months in the online visibility accelerator, what I do is I take people through my five P's for positioning, publicity, and profit. Really briefly, number one, pick your perfect client, which we talked about. Number two, I share with people, here is how you position yourself as a solution to their problem so that they're attracted to you. Number three, we pick our platforms. Where is our ideal client hanging out? And it makes sense for us to show up. Number four, pitch for publicity. How do you find the right person? How do you come up with a good idea? What do you do before, during, and after the interview to maximize it? And then number five, I teach people, how do you take publicity and turn it into profit? How do you use it to leverage your um, pricing, to go premium, to get more sales? So that's what I take people through over the course of six months. And at the end of being in the online visibility accelerator, clients don't need a publicist anymore. No matter what the platform is, whether it's Vine or MySpace or it's Facebook and Instagram or it's TikTok or whatever the next evolution is, they have a proven methodology to be able to get themselves visibility for the life cycle of their business without having to pay a PR agency every single month.
0: Mm, So good. So I might have to consider doing it. (laughs) So good. And people need this so much right now. They need it so much because You know, being able to get in front of other audiences. And as you said, it's so much easier than people, you know, really think that it is. But the more you can get in front of other audiences and have that reciprocity between what they're doing for you, but what you're also offering to that audience, it's so, so key in helping your business to just thrive. So, this is, I mean, this is so good. And six months coaching with you. I know people are gonna get so much out of it and like they're gonna have those results. Like your one client that booked the 60, wow, 60 on on Six her weeks local podcast. Segments. segments, yeah. Segments. Oh, my heavens. All right. So I'm gonna wrap this up, this interview up, and thank you so much for coming for coming on and for sharing all of your knowledge. This was just I mean, this is just mind-blowing. You're the first um, publicist, PR strategist that I've ever had on podcasts. So awesome. yeah, this is exciting. Um, all right. First question, um, which I asked you before we started, but what is something fun and interesting that people don't necessarily know about you?
1: Oh, what's fun is when you answered, when you, when you said that to me earlier, I didn't allow myself to think about it, so I wouldn't come off rehearsed. So I actually don't have an answer. I'm on the spot thinking about what that might be right now. Um, something fun about me that people wouldn't necessarily know, uh, that when I, so we were talking a little bit earlier about how I was doing fashion and beauty and, you know, celebrity gifting suites and runway shows and stuff. Actually, when I was moving into, when I knew I'd go into PR and visibility, fashion and beauty was never the dream. I wanted to be an automotive. I am a car girl. I love cars so much. Like, trust me, I would like to convince my husband I'd rather live in a condo and have eight cars and buy a big house. Um, so my dream was actually to work for Daimler Chrysler at the time because they owned Jeep, Dodge, Chrysler, Grand Cherokee, and I just wanted to, and Mercedes, and I just wanted to do international auto shows. So that's actually what my dream was when I got into PR. I wanted to be a car girl going around the world doing auto shows.
0: Oh my God. You would be so good at that.
1: I would love it. I've driven to the Detroit auto show. My mom and I would go to Toronto regularly. I test drive dream cars all the time. Oh my gosh. My husband would be going bananas right now because my husband
0: is a huge car guy. He's like a I mean, he loves Formula One racing and just loves like the um, you know, going to the car shows. And I mean, McLaren is like his mm. choice of cars, which one day, one day we'll get one. <laughs> one day before, you know, we're old and gray. So
1: um, all right, that's all I would never guess. Car girl. Hmm. If Very I cool. if I were to have like Mad Money, I would get an Aston Martin. Martin, Canadian in me, um, but I think like realistic dream car, quote unquote realistic. Um, I would love a Range Rover. That those are my favorite. They're huge, but they're so heavy on the brakes. Those are expensive
0: to maintain. That's, that's my dream car too. And the, and yeah,
1: I keep telling my husband, he's like, yeah, when you can afford the maintenance of it, he's that's, like, that's yeah. it. I dated a guy who had one and he was like, cost to obtain is one thing. Cost to maintain is a whole nother thing. So I'm going to stick with the car that I've, I've been driving the same brand of car for 12 of the years. My mom got a similar branded car and I'm just waiting for their new version to come out. I, I can happily stick with that. But you know, in a world where I could just repair it every six months with new brakes, we'd go Range Rover. <laughs> Ah, uh, awesome. Awesome. So next question. How'd you meet your husband? Oh, that's amazing. So I wish everyone could see this right now. And if you're watching on LinkedIn live, anytime someone asks me how I met my husband, I go like this. And I just wiped my finger across the screen. We met on Bumble. And um, the fun story is when we went on our first date, we both had lies to get out of it. <laughs> so uh, like, "Oh, I can only stay for a drink. I have games night with my friends. And I was like, oh yeah, I can only stay for a drink too. I went on another date after him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he went, or he told me he had family in town, but he really had games night with his friends. And that came out when I was visiting his family like a year or two later. He's like, ooh, I should probably tell you. And I'm like, I want to date with someone else after you. So I can, I can <laughs> monopoly. I got dinner. Nice. <laughs> That's so good.
0: Um, all right, last question. Um, well, first of all, I have a question. The picture that's behind you, is that just I the tell you or...
1: there. <laughs> I saw you lean in. I'm like, she's going to ask you about the painting.
0: Yeah. So tell me about the painting.
1: I have such a story about this painting that I love, love, love sharing. So behind me, for those of you who can't see, I have a, a image of various dots in purple, gray, and cream. And so when I moved out of my mom's house, when I was around 28 years old, There was an artist named Jenny something in New York who had a painting called lipstick dots and it was reds and pinks. And it was really beautiful, but moving out of her house, Lisa did not have money for this painting. So one of my best friends, his name is Paulo. I've known him since high school. He was my date to prom when I was 16. He's an artist. And I was like, Hey, Paulo, can you do a version of this painting for me? So he made this for me when I was 28. We are still great friends today. I was at his wedding. I love his wife. They have two kids. He was at my wedding. Um, and now every time I'm on a call, somebody asks me about this painting, I have a really cool story about my buddy who I've known since I was maybe 13 years old who made it for me. It's so different. It, and every time I talk to you, I'm like, got to ask about that painting. I um, love that I have something custom. And he did two other smaller ones that I have in my bedroom. So I don't fun. know. I don't, we're, I'm moving soon, but I don't want to get rid of it. I love this. Oh no, don't get rid of Nothing it. Nothing because I have to get rid of it by any means, but. Yeah, no, I love it. Um, what color was your prom dress when you went with Paolo? If I remember, yeah, I had this, oh um, mermaid blue, like this, this, I think this is why I'm so into makeup to this day because I had this mermaid foily blue dress. And for those who aren't watching, I have black skin and back then they didn't have a lot of shade. So I remember going to the makeup counter and I came out gray. So I had oh, like no. this beehive with this foily dress and this grayish faded makeup. Like it was bad times. <laughs> I had to learn how to do it myself. And the day before my wedding, the the artist was suspected she had COVID. So, of course, she didn't come to breathe over me all day. And she was going to send somebody else. And I was like, it's okay. If somebody else comes, I know how to paint my face just fine. So, if she does a bad job, I can wash it off and do my own bridal makeup. It'll be okay. So, that was like (laughs) a scarring for moment situation when I was 16 that super influenced me later on in life. Oh, my gosh. Well, you have beautiful skin, by the way. Very beautiful skin. It's courtesy of NARS. (laughs)
0: Ah, one of my favorites. Oh, I am I a makeup, makeup fanatic. Like
1: Sephora that is- Sephora like sale? Yeah. You know that the Sephora sale happens twice a year? My husband is so attuned to it that he will be like, babe, do you need me to pick up anything? And I'm like, I love you. <laughs> That's why you married him. Oh, he's great.
0: <laughs> All right. Last question. What are you most grateful for?
1: I'm so grateful for my health and body that works. Um, I don't take it every morning. I like to think about three things I'm grateful for and a friend and I recite it to each other every single morning. Um, I'm my husband and I love to work out together. I love to go running to lift weights. And I'm just even, you know, watching my mom age and family members and stuff. I just really am so grateful for a body that does like that picks up this pen. If I ask it to do it such a small thing. So I, I take my health and my, my body's I, I don't take it for granted. I'm so grateful for being able to walk to the fridge, sit down without pain, to not have a headache. Like even for the last 24 hours, my ear has been pounding a little bit and it's not anymore, which I just noticed. And now I know what it's like to have like an ear that sounds like there's pressure in it. Like people live with that mm. all the time. So I am infinitely grateful for being able to make it through a day without pain and to be able to move however I choose to.
0: Mm, I love that. I Love that. Well, thank you again so very much for being here. Um, thank you for, uh, for answering all of our questions and giving us all of this amazing information. You are amazing. And I'm so, so grateful for you, uh, for meeting you and for, connect- for connecting with you. Um, and I know that people are going to get so much
1: out of this episode. Oh, Teresa, it's been such a pleasure to come on the show and talk with you today.
0: Awesome. So before we go, where can people find you?
1: And you, got, you know that I'm going to do my lead magnet strategy, not just drop yes. my, my URL. Um, I so do. for anyone who is interested in learning, okay, one of the things Lisa talked about was writing a pitch, making sure it's full of value. How do I do that? Uh, You're invited to head over to www.theperfectpodcastpitch.com. And um, whether you use it for a podcast or you tweak it for television or radio, what I'm going to give you is the literal pitch that I send to people word for word to be able to book 10 podcast interviews every month. And I'm also going to send you a fill in the blank template so you can get the bones of my script, fill it in with your information, and then repurpose it for yourself.
0: Awesome.
1: So I'll say their URL one more time. It's at www.theperfectpodcastpitch.com.
0: Awesome. And we will make sure that we include that in the show notes. Um, so if in fact you missed it by accident, um, we will include it in the show notes and I will also include it in the comments below so you can grab that link and definitely get it downloaded and join Lisa's community. So again, thank you so very much for joining us. Um, I'm We're going to have to have you back on the show for round two.
1: I would love that anytime.
0: All right. All right, everybody take care and we will see you again next week. Hey there, it's Teresa and I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad that you join me every week to listen to this podcast. This podcast has been a dream of mine. And when we hit episode 100, I was super, super, super excited. And I know now we are on our way to episode 200 if you like what you hear and i know you do because you're here i would love 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 if you could head on over and leave us a review either on itunes on google play on stitcher on whatever it is that you're listening to um listening to this podcast i would absolutely love it when we get reviews when we get you know five stars it and it enables us to show up higher in the different categories so that more people can find us and we can make a difference in more small business owners lives so i would love 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 if you could go on and leave me a review and also tell me what you love tell me what you what you want to hear more of and how i can help you because that's what i'm here for i am here to give you real life experiences real life coaching, real life stories from my work, my experience helping small business owners to build their business, but also helping to, or me actually building and growing several of my own businesses. So if you love what you hear, please go over and leave a review. It would be absolutely amazing. It would mean so much to me, but until next week, take care and I will see you soon.